Amen. I just want you to know that I'm going to be nice today. I've been working on it. I've got my attitude right. Yeah. I'm getting tired of uh, being mean. Actually, I've never been mean. <laughs> Maybe a little ornery. And, uh, but really, today, I, I just want to talk about waiting on the Lord. I just want to pray before we start. Because it's so hard to convey what walking with God looks like. It's hard to explain it. I know what it feels like, and I know what I want it to feel like for you, but I can't do that. So let me just pray. Father, in your sovereign goodness, will you let your presence descend on this room? That as we talk about these things and, and we laugh and learn about how to walk with you, that you would let us sense what that really means and what it feels like. And I really don't care if we can articulate it when we're finished, but I think we can know it. So by your spirit, Lord, would you just do that for us? Well, I, this kind of started because I was reading about Paul and uh, when he prayed about the thorn in his side being removed three times. And then it says, and God told him, no, that my grace is sufficient for you. And it got me pondering, if Paul can know that, why can't I know that? Why can't I be walking with God in such a way that I hear what he's thinking, that I know what he's doing? and can continue on. And I start looking at all the promises, the things we've talked about in the last few months, and there's so many of them that if you're not careful, it, it can be weighty, all the things to do, quote-unquote, to do. And not that we shouldn't be doing things, but there shouldn't be a weight to it. There shouldn't be a heaviness or a, a pass-fail based on what happens. Uh, so I began just looking into what it means to walk with God. Just walk. And so if number one word today is relax and imagine yourself just walking with the Lord, just taking a walk. So I found this, this one uh, quote, which I thought I'd start with, just uh, courage is knowing it might hurt and doing it anyway, stupidity is the same. That's why life is hard. So there's your encouragement for the day. Really, all we need is wisdom from the Lord on which one's which. And he is wisdom. And he is a miracle-working God. And he is holy and pure. And believe it or not, he likes you. That's really weird to think about, isn't it? So Genesis tells us that Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's in Genesis 5, 21 to 24. And Enoch is the first one that actually grasped relationship with God. I think in chapter 4, it says that the, the children of men 
began to call out to him after Seth was born, but this is the first person who began to uncover and understand what it meant to walk with God. And he found something that even Adam didn't find or didn't experience. And he pressed into God until he learned how to commune with God through every area of his life. And I think Enoch's mentioned only five times in the Bible. Two of them are genealogies. And yet he was so enamored with God and had such a pursuit of him that God got so much delight from it that he took him. He just said, why don't you just come be with me because I'd rather you just come up here. I can't show you my face till you come here. Can you imagine the discoveries, 300 years of walking with God and what Enoch uh, felt and understood about the character of God and in his spiritual pursuit. And God, I believe, said, according to Bob Sorge, I love to walk with man. And Enoch was the first man to truly walk with me, so I decided to highlight his example by doing something extraordinary with him. I took him up to paradise to underscore how much I value and desire daily walking relationship with my chosen ones. And I think that's the, the essence of so much of what we seek. I think sometimes we, we dig through the Bible, we look for promises, we look for theology, we look for, for pieces of God, but we don't experience the whole of who he is. And to, to really experience that, you have to walk with him. It changes the relationship. And Enoch's example continues to witness to all of us, all generations, the great zeal God has to walk with men and women. Just so we're clear. And when the zeal of God captures you, it will ignite in you a great passion for him in a way that, uh, honestly, I'm just beginning to experience. I don't know where it will lead me. Uh, frankly, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but I have noticed that I'm beginning to seek his, his presence over his hand. And when it says that Enoch walked, it means to be continually in communion and fellowship and conversational. So this is an ongoing, I assume every day, 300-year walk where he's just hanging out with the Father. And there's only two people in the Bible that didn't die, Enoch and Elijah. And we all know about Elijah. He's the, one of the major prophets, and he did a lot of stuff. But Enoch didn't do anything. And I want to submit to you that the highest calling that any of us have is to walk with him. That's it. Everything else is extra and additional to that. Whether you perform amazing miracles, raise the dead, heal the sick, give words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all of that, it is secondary to who he is and being with him on a daily basis where if you can picture yourself just walking with him. There's such an ease to walking. I'm not talking about power walking. That's from the devil. I'm talking about casual walking. We'll call it sauntering with the Lord. And so Enoch sauntered with God all the time, communing with him and walking with him. And Noah also did it in Genesis 8. I mean, Genesis 6, verse 9, it says, This is the genealogy of Noah, 
Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And when we walked with God to the, to the dimension where God unfolds the secrets to the kingdom, when you're walking with somebody, you begin to learn things about them. And Abraham did it too in, in Genesis 24, verse 40. This is Abraham speaking. It says, but he said to me, the Lord whom, before, whom I, before whom I walk, speaking English like a second language there, will send his angel with you and prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son. This was Isaac's uh, wife and my, for my family from my father's house. And of course in the New Testament, Jesus walked perfectly with the Father, constantly in communion, constantly hearing what God was wanting him to say and also looking at what God wanted him to do. And if I, I'm pretty sure in saying that it was always I, what Jesus did and saw or talked about was always a response to what had already happened. It was never a question of whether it was going to happen. He knew it had already happened. And we can do the same thing because we have the Spirit now in us. So whereas Enoch and Noah and Abraham and others walked with God, it was an external walk, a voice maybe or some other presence but for us when Jesus came it all came in here so now I carry the Holy Spirit now you carry the Holy Spirit of God in you all the time which means every gift is already in you and every bit of fruit is in here and the biggest issue is getting it out how do we get it out of here how do we even recognize that we have it Number one, I'm so good at uh, praying for somebody and having absolutely no faith that God's going to do anything. So I try to hang out with other people who pray, who seem to be more successful, so at least I get counted in the group. Success. Yeah. They'll say, yeah, Phil was there. And I'm like, yeah, I was there. And I know a lot of you are in the same boat, where we, we talk and we hear about all the, the great things of God, but yet we don't experience it. We're always... Or I'm always in this angst of knowing but not experiencing. And I've found this because I don't walk with him. I come and go as it gets convenient. So I might have a good week depending on how bad it is. If it's a bad week, I tend to walk closer than if it's a good week. And I'm in and out of his presence, in and out of walking with him. And I begin to, and the, the problem is, I don't do well with prosperity. So when I begin to experience his presence, when I'm walking with him, I usually pull back. It's sort of like, well, I know you're there, but I think I'll go do this right now. And I just kind of wander off. Not, not in a bad way. But you know, your thoughts, your actions, even though they can appear good, can be less than good and less than the best that God has for you. And so we can walk at a closer, more intimate level than anybody in the Old Testament ever did because everything now is in here. I'm not dependent. I don't have to go anywhere to walk with him. I just have to walk with him. And so now we live by faith. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 
which I know we all know that. And then we also know that faith comes by hearing, according to Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. And we're very familiar with that. We could quote it. Those are the kind I like to quote because you get, like, gifts at certain camps if you can quote a lot of verses. So Jesus wept was always one of my favorites. And then in Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the, thing, is the substance of things hoped for. Without walking with him, I believe, you will only ever experience hope. And for most of my prayer life and most of my adult life, I tend to operate in hope. But there's no substance because there's nothing attached to that hope or no one attached to it. When he's attached to it, then it begins to become reality. It begins to change me. Now, God's sovereign. He heals all the time in spite of us. And he's doing amazing things with a lot of our people right now. So I'm not discounting that. What I am saying, though, is for me to experience that, I have to learn to walk with him in a greater way where my every thought is of him. And I'm sure I can't do that because as soon as I think I'm doing it, that means I wasn't doing it a minute ago. So I know it's, it's a, a futile attempt, but it's something we can pursue and try to do because every time he has a thought that I understand, it changes the way I live. It puts pressure on the things of the world and the, and the things of the flesh that tend to rise up and make me contradict what he says, make me water down what he says. You know, we had a word about holiness uh, during worship. That's a serious thing. You have to be holy to walk with God because his presence will kill you if, it's, if you're not. And I know there's been many times I've asked the Lord, you know, I want, I want you closer and I, I know what he's thinking. If I do, you're dead. And it's not bad things. We, we have to get out of our mind that, that, that all sin is this really, for us, abhorrent, evil stuff. Because we put categories. Like a bad attitude is sin. God said a whole lot more about greed than he did adultery. We put the things on there, but you can't have any of it and expect to walk with him because his presence is so holy. And it's not, it's not us coming alongside an equal partner. He doesn't adjust to us. We adjust to him. The rhythm that we're walking in is his rhythm, not my rhythm. Everything in me has to go. And nothing in him has to go. It's really not fair, but it's the way it is. And walking brings a steadiness to your life. Because you're never really in a hurry. I, I do like to just walk. I clear my head. It's, it's fun. And it's an ease of pace, which is easy to be consistent. You know, if you're running, like I could make it maybe to the parking lot. And what, it, what walking will do is will take you from a, a, an event-driven relationship to a historical relationship. And it's sort of like going from dating to marriage. When you're dating, it's like, that was a good date. This one, not so much. That one's a good date. Well, then you get married, and they're all good. <laughs> yeah. Make sure the fire systems work. <laughs> 
Abraham in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, when it says, When Abraham was 99, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And this is right after Genesis 16, which is Ishmael. Total disobedience in every way. So wherever you find yourself today, it's okay. You can start over. Just repent and just start walking. It, it's never over until you stop breathing. Then it's over. But you won't know it. But there's a resolute, resoluteness to walking. There's a steady impact of, of two personalities getting to know each other. And I want to talk about a few things that happen with walking. Walking brings conversation. If you've ever been on a walk with somebody, uh, if it's a long walk, it's not long before you start talking and the dialogue begins. And you usually start off with something about the weather and hopefully it gets a little more serious than that. But time on a prolonged walk brings conversation and dialogue and you begin to get to know the other person. And if you don't stay long enough, a conversation never really happens. It's niceties. It's like you asking me how I am, I say I'm fine, and then we walk your separate ways. So you have to spend time. And the conversations always start shallow. If you could take a, a clip of all the conversations in the atrium at the beginning of Sunday morning versus the end of Sunday morning, it always starts shallow. Not because everybody's bad, it's just, it's just the way it is. We're people. <coughs> and have you ever had a conversation with someone that started out nice and friendly, and then after a while it turned into something of value? Where either you could minister to them or they could minister to you, or you just walked together and talked about the Lord. Have you ever really just walked with someone and talked about the Lord? And the sense of freedom and the sense of acceptance and the sense of... It just is so uh, that. Or, you know, sometimes at our family get-togethers, we try to have vacation, you know, every year with the family. Well, we get together, we haven't seen anybody in six months, and so you start out with the shallow stuff. And by Thursday, conversations are awesome because we're talking about things that matter. And then we leave on Saturday and do it again the next time. And often at ministry times, the disciples would walk with Jesus and he would tell them what the parable meant that he didn't tell the other people. So when you're walking with him, he, God will converse to you and he will talk to you. And what will happen is you'll begin to recognize his voice because he's got a very consistent voice. And everybody that I'm friends with or I've known for any length of time, I can recognize your voice in a crowd. The more I know you, the more I can recognize it. And then the easier it is to connect and to continue walking. The second thing walking does is it deepens friendship and it creates memories. Uh, of course, Enoch, I doubt when he went to heaven he forgot about all their conversations over the, all those years because they had built memories and deepened the friendship. Uh, in Luke 24:32, when the disciples are on the road to Emmaus, and you remember the story, Jesus 
starts unpacking all the scriptures and they don't know who he is. And then they go eat and, and he reveals himself and then disappears. And they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking to us? They never forgot that moment. It created a memory that stuck with them forever. And I was trying to think in my life, are there any times that, that I can remember connecting with God that, that caused a memory? And I thought of two, and then I've thought of about eight more since then, but I'm only going to give you two. One was during Y2K, and most of you will remember, half of you probably not. But uh, at one time, we thought January 1st, 2000 was the apocalypse and Armageddon all wrapped up into one. Every airplane was going to fall out of the sky. There would be no food, water. Computers would quit working, and all your money would disappear because the computers would throw the bank accounts 100 years in reverse, which means you don't have any money. And so I was working at a missionary base, and I was kind of in charge administratively, and I was getting all of these calls from parents. What are you going to do about Y2K? And I'd give them a nice politically correct answer. And then I just kept walking. This one of the first times I can remember just walking with the Lord. I would just say, what do you want me to do here? I don't get it. And he, he would talk to me. And then one day I felt like he said, look, it's not going to be anything. I'm like, you tell the parents. <laughs> it's not going to be anything. So I never told them that. I think we bought four blue barrels to put water in. And then we bought some grain that we gave away. Uh, but it was one of the first times, and it, and it was, I began to hear him because it was a daily walk. I was getting pressure. And so I would just walk with him and say, I'm not sure what to do here. He's kind of used to that anyway, so he told me everything. And, uh, of course, you know, nothing happened, really. And the second was in Belarus. We were... I was working for some hospitals, trying to get some government paperwork done, and we had called a prayer and fasting day as a staff, and I, we started it, and then the official office called and said, look, we're not bringing you the paper, you have to come get it. This was Friday afternoon. We had to have the paper Monday morning, and they were closed over the weekend. And I clearly remember uh, God saying, don't, don't cancel, keep praying. So I told them, well, we're not coming. They said, well, you're going to be in trouble. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm going to be in trouble if I stop it, so I'm in trouble. And uh, about an hour and a half later, we get a knock on the door, and they actually sent all the paperwork with the stamps and everything. And I remember the, the moment it touched my hand. He said, you take care of my things, I'll take care of your things. And it was a memory that was created that I'll never forget because something happened in me when I touched that but it only came from walking with him it didn't come from frantically praying trying to get him to get the paperwork there because I'm not sure why it wasn't coming and so many times I, I noticed that I pray frantically from behind I think I mentioned this last time I was speaking I'm, I'm just in arrears all the time so don't ask me to pray for you it'll be too late Okay, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But he wants to talk to me. He wants to tell me what's coming. And in Belarus, that time, he, he let me know, look, I'm walking with you. I will take care of this for you. But don't neglect my things. 
and I, I'm convinced that missions is for people who are hard of hearing because I hear a lot better when I'm over there, scared to death <laughs> or running around. Uh, but it did, it creates memories, um, just the connections. The, you can have a walk with someone and, and it just be one of those perfect days that you just remember. It just did something in you. And God wants that for us as well. He wants to have that connection where when we're walking, it's good for us. And it's in those times that I remember growing the most. You know, because you do know when you grow. I mean, if, if it's, if you're growing well. If you're growing really slowly, you won't notice it. But because I wasn't learning about him. I was with him. And in John 15, 15, he says, he will reveal the secrets of the kingdom to his friends, not his servants. And walking with him takes you from servanthood to friendship, where he begins to reveal the secrets of the kingdom to you, which will be applicable to whatever you're, you're into, whatever you need. Number three, walking with God brings companionship or presence. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And it's more than just having the same idea. It's, it's, it's moving together in a rhythm like on a tandem bike or you're, you're both in sync. And a lot of times when you're in a, that kind of relationship, you don't have to say a word. Presence is all that matters. And the companionship of having somebody with you is enough when you're in that kind of a relationship. And I, I have friends that sometimes I don't say a word, and we just hang out, and it's the best time ever because everything that's been built into our friendship over the last 30, 40 years comes into play every time we meet. And you all have friends like that where you say, you know what, it's like we've never been apart. That's that companionship connection that, that friendship does, that seeking uh, God's hand will not do. Learning about him won't do it. Walking with him will do it because you begin to forget about the stuff. He's always greater than the stuff. It's just being aware of his presence in this moment, like right now, right this moment, and this one, and this one. He's with you. He's with us. He's in this room. He's in all of us. And Greg Boyd in his book, Present Perfect, says this. He says, we remember the past and anticipate the future, but we always do so in the present. Reality is always now, and the single most important aspect of reality is that God is present in every moment. In every moment that you're thinking, he's alive, and you can walk with him, and you can have that kind of relationship, and so much of our prayer life or my prayer life is me-centered. It starts with me and ends with me. I want this, did you do this? It's not friendship relationship because when it is, I won't care so much about whether he did what I asked him to do. And I wonder sometimes if uh, 
if the promises of God aren't given to you because he knows without something to hang on to, we won't stay with him very long. So we focus on the promise while he tries to get through so we can get to know who he is because he's always so much greater than the promises. And the secret place is where we develop a walking relationship with God. And we must develop a secret history with God before you can reveal anything of him. And it'd be like an iceberg, if I could compare our lives to that. You know, you see 10% of the iceberg, 90% is under the water. 90% of your relationship with God should be hidden. Should be you and him. And out of that 90%, he'll give you 10% that he wants you to, to use. And the, the reason is, is the 90% is always so much greater than that 10% that you won't be distracted by your ministry or your gifts or your callings or your troubles or your headaches or whatever it is. is that, if that 90% is secure, everything else will take care of itself. And I have a feeling that if we could grasp that and begin to walk with them, a lot of our problems would disappear. Not because they're not there, but they become much less in his presence. Not all of them. It depends on what you're going through. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's suffering. But what I am saying is that there's a place of walking in fellowship and relationship with God that you can survive anything. And even if it's not the answer you want, you can be like Paul where he tells you it's not going to be the answer you want, but I will do this instead. That is a relationship. That's walking with God. That's friendship and not seeking some kind of divine lottery ticket, you know. Although if he does give me the numbers, I will tithe. <laughs> the inner chamber with him becomes our training ground for a life that is filled and grounded with love because he is love. So you can't hang out with love and not begin to partake of love, which means you're going to give it out. And another quote from Bob Sorge in his book, he says, Lord, I want to be your friend, your confidant, loyal to the death. I want to walk with you, talk with you, listen to you, hear your heart, participate with you in your activities in this hour. Teach me, Lord, to walk with you. And I really want to get to the place all of us too, that I don't need a promise or an explanation. That his presence is enough. Walking with him is enough. And we could be a little bit like Job where he said, even if he slays me, yet I will trust him. And Job had already gone through his three friends and his wife by that time. It wasn't a fun time for Job. And he still, he was so confident in who God was. He was like, even if he kills me, I'm not going to betray him. I will trust him. And then he said, even so, I'll defend my own ways before the Lord. You can be honest with God and not fear when you're walking in friendship and relationship. And so whatever situation you find yourself in, make sure you're walking with him. Because your theology is always second to who he is. You know, theology is the study of God. Friendship is God. So everything you know about him has to be integrated into what you know of him so that it actually functions. Otherwise, they become idols. Healing can be an idol if you leave God out of it. 
Healing is part of his character. Prophecy is part of his character. The fruit of the Spirit is parts of his character. But they're all him together. And so when you're walking with him in relationship, then you have access to whatever you need. And I have a feeling that at that point, things become quite a bit less important because of who he is. Your, your theology is always second, forever. I mean, it's good to learn. And there's a positioning in the place that he wants you, and then all your desires will come to pass. It's then that he gives you the desires of your heart. Now, whether you interpret that like he gives you whatever's in your heart or he puts in there what he's going to answer, if you're with him, it doesn't really matter because they will take the form of your relationship with him. And if you're in a good, tight relationship with anybody, you're always willing to give. And you'll be the same with him. So it doesn't matter whether he gives you the desires or you have the desires and he meets them. They will be the same because you've been spending time walking with him. And the best of humanity is, la is lacking, unfortunately. Smart people will lead you astray. And when you respond to his call, and he will call to everyone, then it ceases to be about you in any way when you're first with him. And gratitude will then turn what you have into enough. And your, your daily walk will just be consistent and growing and you know, we're getting to a time where you, you're going to have to learn to stand on your own a little bit. And if you can't stand on your own, you're not going to make it. And I'm not saying forsake the assembling. I'm not saying that people aren't important. None of that. Of course, we need each other, and God wants us to be in fellowship. He's created us for fellowship. They're in fellowship. But what I'm saying is there are days where you're alone. And if you're focused on something in his hand, you will not make it. You have to be focused on him. It starts and ends with him. And it's your choice. Walking will teach you to stand. Is it necessary for us to understand what's going on? If I have to know, I'm not close enough. Does he need to explain himself for me to trust him? If he does, that's not trust. That's making him prove it to me. And I'm not talking about walking as an answer to fear of the future, all the stuff that's happening, or bad prophetic words, or the elections, or all the other stuff that we have to deal with on an ongoing basis. And so many issues that move us from one thing to the next. We just go from this crisis to this crisis to this crisis. We have to get past fear. Things do look bad. But once you're walking in God's presence continually, everything else will begin to fade. And nothing else will really matter. And as we heard a, a word earlier today about the sands of time, they start, your eternity started the day you got born again. So you're fine. And if you're not fine, then you'll know it later. <laughs> At least that's what I'm banking on.
Walking with God is just a choice. Give up your life. Give up your rights. Just give up. Start walking with him. Let him reveal himself to you and begin to show you things. I think it's Jeremiah 33, 3. He says, draw unto me, and I will show you things you didn't even know to ask me. He desires relationship over everything else. He wants to walk with us, always, in the cool of the day, like he did with Adam and Eve. But he did more so with Enoch, and he did more so with Jesus, and he will do even more with us. All we have to do is say yes and pursue him. I want to finish with this little poem that was written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only those who see take off their shoes. And there's so much that we miss because we're not seeing him. We're seeing all of this. And we have to learn to walk with him, to begin to see him and experience him in a way that makes this look like what it is. It is the creation. He is the creator. And all of this is in his heart, plus so much more. And Enoch was with him 300 years and didn't exhaust it. So I doubt we will either. <laughs>